Welcome to CropSense, presented by North Carolina Cooperative Extension. I'm Jacob Morgan, a field crops agent with North Carolina Cooperative Extension. Today we have Dr. Wesley Everman and Dr. Charlie Cahoon to discuss spring burndown. Good morning, guys. Welcome back. Thanks for having us. Hey, Jacob. Good to be on again. So I guess let's start off with just general corn and cotton burndown. So burndown is, is a critical time for starting our weed control, and, and we'd like to go by the philosophy of start clean, stay clean. And so a big part of that is, is burndown. And so we're actually approaching burndown quickly. In fact, I think uh, March should be a, a good time for us to be out with our burndown materials. And if you look traditionally what we've done on uh, conservation tillage land here in the state, which is the bulk of the, the acres that we have in the state, the foundation has long been glyphosate, and then we typically use something like 2,4-D or dicamba, mostly for glyphosate-resistant horseweed or mare's tail, and a few other weeds as well that, that glyphosate's not great on. And then a lot of times we suggest a residual herbicide um, in that tank mix, and that's mostly to keep some weeds from coming up between your burn down and planting. So again, emphasis on trying to keep that seed bed clean as we come through with the planter and a lot of times that's for again glyphosate resistant horseweed uh, that may come up in in uh, March or April and so when we look at that residual component for for corn and cotton a lot of times for a lot of our burnout applications that residual option is is normally something like Valor it's uh, really good on residual for horseweed uh, controls a lot of other weeds as well it's decent on grasses uh, so that's a pretty broad spectrum uh, residual that we use burn down, and we use quite a bit of it across the state. And then the one that Wes and I hear a lot about as well is includes lead off. So it's two ALS materials and it's got good residual as well. The only thing it's, it's okay for corn could actually go up to applying it pre-emergence on corn, but on cotton, we've got a 30 day waiting period before we can plant cotton behind lead off. And so those are probably the ones that I hear most often uh, in respect to residuals in that tank mix. All right, Dr. Everman, what about soybeans, which will be coming up next? Yeah, so I, I think I would agree with Charlie. We even need to be thinking about putting our soybean burn downs out early as well. When we look at getting our control and our residuals out, you know, it's the same setup, right? We're going to do that broad spectrum. We're going to do that growth regulator and a residual product, very similar, you know, Valor-based burn-down residuals have done really well for us. Lead-off is one that's often used. It's a really good on our spectrum of winter annual weeds. It'll hold them back. Just if we get too close to planting, it's and you hope that it's going to hold back palm or amaranth, it's not as strong there because we have a lot of ALS resistance. So we see people using the Valor-based products. And some folks are starting to mix in Metribuzin. Seems to be doing a good job giving us some good residual control there as well. Otherwise, pretty much the same stuff Charlie was talking about. You know, we just need to be getting out there thinking about it sooner rather than later. I often joke, uh, even though it's not a joke, but it's real. But I joke in our meetings that I get calls often in May about needing to kill some horseweed, some mare's tail, and plant tomorrow. And usually that stuff's about three foot tall and rocking and rolling and we're not going to get in in the next, uh, in probably the next week, uh, if even if we're lucky with a good burn down kill. 
So we just need to be getting out there earlier and, and thinking early if we can. All right, we're four minutes into this podcast, and typically this will be over at this point, talking about burndown. But this year we've got some some other issues as far as product availability. So can y'all touch a little bit on the lack of specifically glyphosate and maybe some, some alternative strategies for burndown this spring? Yeah, so we've been hearing supply chain issues for a while now, and this is not just with, with herbicides, but for, for a lot of consumer products. And so there's some issues going on with glyphosate supply. I won't dive too much into that. The most recent development was a, an, a letter that was sent out by Bayer last week and it, talking about some production issues. They used a fancy uh, lawyer term, force majeure, which basically means a unforeseen uh, circumstances that, that keeps them from fulfilling their contracts for glyphosate. And so that kind of compounds the issues that we were already facing with labor shortages, production problems, trucking problems, sourcing the, the ingredients to make the products. So, yeah, it's looking like it's going to be a tight year for glyphosate. And so Wes and I have, have been talking about this at, at our winter county meetings. And, you know, one of our first piece of advice is, is if you're short on glyphosate is, is to save what you have for in-crop weed control because, in-crop weed control is much more complicated without glyphosate uh, than, you know, burn down without glyphosate. And so one of the things that goes along with that, if we're going to save glyphosate for in-crop weed control is to use alternatives burn down. And so our first point that we're going to, as far as recommendations for alternatives to glyphosate is Paraquat. And I know, I know folks cringe when we recommend Paraquat. It's got it's got the training requirement. It's got the closed system requirement for handling folks, especially on the coast where the wind blows quite a bit, are worried about off-target movement, and rightfully so. Paraquat will tell on you. It is a contact herbicide, and it'll speckle some stuff up for sure. But you know, in terms of sensitivity, uh, really, our neighboring plants and stuff that are growing around our ag fields are probably more sensitive to glyphosate and 2,4-D and dicamba than they are paraquat. So even though it looks ugly, again, the risk of actually killing something, in my opinion, is is less than we might have for our other burn mound material. So I think the obvious places to start, if, you, if you've traditionally done glyphosate, 2,4-D or dicamba for horseweed and a residual, I think the obvious substitution is something like paraquat. Paraquat and glyphosate are not the same herbicides. Paraquat's a contact, glyphosate's a systemic. So one thing that we've tried to point out is that we can't use paraquat like we use glyphosate and expect to get the same results. So we need to have good coverage, and that means more water volumes, greater gallons per acre, not using these large droplets that we use for 2,4-D and dicamba. The weeds need to be smaller. So again, like Wes and I have already emphasized, we need to be out there sooner than normal for our burn down if we're having to use something like Paraquat as an alternative. And I'll kind of let Wes chime in with some of the other alternatives that we're thinking about using. We definitely hope that we can get enough of these broad spectrum products, right? Glyphosate, Gramoxone, to really carry the water <clears throat> because they really do control a broad spectrum of our weeds and takes a lot of the concern of tank mixing and picking the right product out of our, of our worry zone, right? You know, you throw those in and they erase a lot of the weeds. If you can't find glyphosate or you're going to save it, 
or if you know you don't want to spray gramoxone at all we do have some options but it's going to take some more management we got to be thinking ahead we got to be planning our applications and looking at what weeds we have out there you know we we've talked about lead off as a residual product and that's how we've typically used it it does have good activity on our winter annual weed spectrum post-emergence as well. So you have a, a broadleaf product in there as well as a grass product. They're both ALS. And so you're, so you're going to get activity across a broad spectrum of weeds, but they are not going to replace either glyphosate or gramoxone. Okay. They're not complete broad spectrum products. There's going to be holes with different species and size is going to really, really matter. If you're switching away from glyphosate or paraquat, you've got to really get out there when the weeds are small. Some parts of the state, you know, the weeds are set back, been riding around a lot the last few weeks doing extension meetings and field days, and some of the weeds out there are real small still in a good stage for easy control. Other parts of the state have been getting good weather and there's been a lot of growth and they might be difficult with some of these alternative products. So be ready to adjust on the fly and, and try to uh, get those. But if you're going with a lead off, still include that growth regulator. And depending on your rate, you might want to add in another residual product or not. You know, that, that'll be kind of your call based on weed spectrum and comfort level get a lot of questions about grasses and I already mentioned they got to be small, right? You know, you don't want to try to spray a football size clump of ryegrass and expect control. But we also got to remember <clears throat> in that ryegrass population across the state, we have a lot of ALS resistance. So if you traditionally have had issues controlling your ryegrass and wheat with products like Osprey or PowerFlex, you may want to pay attention to that because you might not be able to kill your ryegrass with lead off, even if it is small. In some of those cases, our option would be adding or using a ACCase inhibitor. That'd be your clethidim, cethoxidim, FOPs like fluazifop and quizalifop. There's a number of different products that have those in them. They can give you good grass control. They're typically used in the summer and are really good on our summer annuals. They're not quite as strong on the winter annuals. They aren't gonna kill those big clumps of ryegrass or those big patches of other grasses if they have size. So again, we gotta get them when they're small. And Charlie, I don't know if you wanna talk about antagonism or you want me to cover it, but it's a real concern You know, when we look at mixing either the ALS inhibitors or the grass herbicides with these growth regulators. So if we're adding one set to the growth regulators, we're going to see antagonism on the grasses. We see it in the summer weeds. We see it in the winter time. This is well documented for decades. You know, we, we know this, and this is one of the reasons people went to glyphosate and gramoxone, right? Because we don't see those antagonism issues on as big of a scale. Yeah, I think those are those are great points to remember. And folks are looking to replace glyphosate or paraquat with one product, and that's just not going to happen. Um, it's going to take, you know, two or probably three 
different herbicides to replace that broad spectrum weed control that we get with with glyphosate and and even paraquat. Now, I mean, paraquat's not to the level of glyphosate, but I would probably put it after glyphosate as our most broadest spectrum burnout material next in line. So yeah, I think, and then, and that antagonism is another uh, point of emphasis for getting out there early because the larger the weeds, the, the more uh, exacerbated that antagonism is potentially could be. Now, I know one thing we haven't mentioned, and there may be some folks listening that say, well, Liberty's broad spectrum. Why aren't these guys talking about Liberty? From my perspective, well, two, two big things, but from my perspective, I think Liberty's better you utilized and more effective in the summer, and we should be using it in crop pretty much across the board. And then I've heard, you know, as much concern as there is about glyphosate being available, Liberty is really going to be limited for sure. It's not much of a question. We just know that it's going to be less available. So again, we probably aren't even going to be putting it out in a burn down typically, but this year we shouldn't even be considering it in my opinion, unless you just know you have some of that ALS, ACCAs, glyphosate and paraquat resistant Italian ryegrass we talked about in, in those cases, maybe, uh, but you're probably still best not even trying the Liberty there and, you know, going with alternative methods. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, with corn and cotton, you know, when we're planting, you know, in April or May, depending on which crop you're planting, you know, I just don't even think about Liberty being an, a good option for burning down things in, in March and April. It really needs those that summer light intensity and heat and humidity to, to really ramp up its control. So, yeah, that's, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. So talking about needing specific temperature requirements or light intensity, is there anything we should be concerned about temperature or moisture requirements as far as using some of these other herbicides for burn down? Yeah, that's a good point, and that gets brought up quite a bit. I mean, we talk about glyphosate, you know, wanting temperatures in the 50s or above 55, and and that's the case for a lot of these products. I mean, they're they're just going to be more active when the plant are growing. So the warmer the temperatures, the better. So, you know, if you could get it in the 60s or 70s, that would be ideal. You know, I, I think Wes and I would agree that, you know, in the mid-50s for a few days is probably the floor of what we need to be looking for. And, and if you're getting some hard freezes at night, we probably need to, to wait a couple of days before things start warming up before going back out there. As far as light intensity, we talk about, we focused a lot on light intensity with Liberty applications. And we talked about having this, this high light intensity, you know, good sunlight for control. And that's actually kind of opposite of what we, we see with Paraquat. So Paraquat is a contact and, and it has very limited movement in the plant but actually when we have lower light intensity we seem to get a, a more complete kill on a lot of these hard to control species so paraquat is going to be okay on cloudier days or as the sun's going down in opposition to something like liberty where we need bright sunlight in the middle of the day and i think this is a good place to we talk about antagonism and negatives but here there's a positive there's you know uh, synergism when we use paraquat and those um, ps2 inhibitors right you know so we can get better activity we get better control so 
I know Charlie in your extension talks, you have a good list of, you know, what some of those are in the different crops. You want to run through those? I mean, just quick. Yeah, it's, it's easily accomplished on cornland. You can put some atrazine with your burn down. And, and this is, I normally su- suggest this in, in maybe a marginal situation where the weeds are a little bigger or you're a little bit late getting to the field. We can have that synergism effect with a- adding a photosystem too. So atrazine on cornland, uh, diuron on cotton land, you know, uh, metribuzin on, on soybean land. These are economical choices that could heat up that germoxone and put it in a little better position from a, a weed control standpoint. All right. One issue that talk about it in the private applicator safety trainings is water pH and that effect on herbicide activity. Can you talk a little bit about that? That training had that slide set about spray solution pH, but it's really product to product. Some products degrade quicker at higher pH. Some products degrade quicker at lower pH. So it's really product to product. And and really kind of, in my opinion, the best piece of advice is know what your solution pH is and, and you kind of want it around neutral, you know. Um, if that would be, I think, ideal or maybe slightly acidic, but there are some products that this has a, a, a big effect on. And for those products, it would be important to, to spray the solution out as quick as possible. Um, because if they sit in there for a, lo- a long amount of time, they're, they're going to be deactivated. Again, it's, it's not broad spectrum across the board happen with every pesticide. There's a few that it's, it's a problem with. And you know, a vast majority that are probably okay for most of our water sources here in the state. Now, if you really have something out of whack, it would be something to look into and, and see how to adjust it. All right. Is there anything else you think we need to talk about as far as spring burn down before we wrap this podcast up? The only thing I would add, looking at my notes and scratching my head on what did we cover everything is, <clears throat> I don't know if we mentioned Sharpen as a or, or even Culex as products that would be good on mare's tail or sweet if you have them. Those are good options if you're, you're worried about neighboring crops with those growth regulators or, you know, just if that's your specific control item, that those products will do well. I know in, in years past, Sharpen has been, it's almost like it's specialized on horse wheat or mare's tail. So there are other products that we can put in the tank and, and utilize as well. It's not just the growth regulator. That's just been the traditional recommendation, but we do have other products that have a fit. And I think it'd be good to reemphasize again for probably the third or fourth time that we need to be out earlier with whatever you're deciding to put out, especially if you don't have a good reserve of glyphosate and you're having to use an alternative burn down, it's going to really matter to get out earlier this year. So we can't say that enough. Yep. Good point. Well, I certainly thank you both for your time today. Thanks for having us on again. Yeah. Appreciate it. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. If you have any questions about spring burndown, maybe some alternative burndown options, contact your local cooperative extension agent and they'll be happy to help you. And as always, thanks for listening to CropSense. Because if it isn't making money, it isn't making sense.